Welcome to the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique and Vince here, and we're all about helping you develop and fill the areas of void in your leadership. Let's get started. We, we will always have challenges. There's always going to be a new challenge on our horizon. But by always circling back to our core reason for purpose, we'll be able to navigate those challenges. Um, as you grow in the service, begin to teach others your own personal reason why you serve. Be able to, to champion that because that's going to help those people understand and grow themselves. So it, it's all on track to keep the organization growing, keep members learning, keep the organization learning and moving forward. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Leadership Void podcast. This, this episode it has uh, me in goosebumps because what we're about to do is highlight Veterans Day, but with a special group. Uh, and, you know, with the just happened, you know, vice president select as a female, uh, it is so fitting to highlight females today. And I'm so honored to be in the compliment of the individuals that comprise this panel today as we highlight Veterans Day. And Vince, I'm gonna let you do all the introduction and, and things of that, but uh, I am honored to be in this group today and you know doing this podcast. Amen to that, Enrique. And, and for yesterday, happy uh, birthday, Marines. Uh, Thank you for your service and your birthday again. And today is Veterans Day. And also highlighting the fact that we have our first Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, mm-hmm. uh, Ms. Joanne Bass. So it's, it's fitting to have this one group of leaders here today. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and go around Robin and we'll have each and of, of our panelists introduce themselves by name, branch, and t- of service and title. And we'll start off with, uh, uh, with the Air Force. Well, hello and happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. I'm Denise Jelinski-Hall, retired Chief Master Sergeant. I served 28 and a half years in our United States Air Force and Air National Guard, retired as the third senior enlisted advisor for the National Guard. I am an author of my book, From the Prairie to the Pentagon, and I co-authored a leadership book called Reaching the Summit with five of my fellow senior enlisted advisors. I serve as vice chair with United Through Reading, which is a great nonprofit that keeps military kids connected to their families during times of separation through a Read Aloud program. I also serve as a military advisor for Veterans United Home Loans, and we focus on the education of our veterans to utilize and maximize their VA home loan benefits. I am married to a retired Marine. I am a mom, a grandmother, and for the last 22 months, I've been at the mercy of our grand twins that live with us. So there is double trouble, much joy, and lots of love. Thank you. Thanks, Denise. Ms. Melissa? Hi, good morning. Happy Veterans Day to everyone. I want to say thank you very much uh, for this opportunity, especially to you, Enrique and Vince. Uh, thank you for your service. Uh, and I, it is such an honor to be part of such an esteemed uh, venue and share with these ladies, my sisters in arms. Uh, my name is Sergeant Major Melissa O'Brien, uh, United States Army. I am currently active duty, uh, 30 years um, and still serving strong. I am currently stationed in Fort Bliss, Texas at the Non-Commissioned Officer Leadership Center of Excellence. Uh, Previously, uh, I served as a chair and a vice chair with the Sergeant's Major Academy. Uh, I was honored to be part of the accreditation. As you know, uh, we are the first enlisted uh, NCO Academy to be accredited uh, by the Higher Learning Commission, where um, students who graduate the Sergeant Major's course, uh, they have the opportunity to earn a degree upon graduation from the Academy. I have transitioned since over to be the, I've previously served as the chief of the distributed learning support. Uh, There we support over, you know, 30,000 enlisted personnel from private to sergeant major, command sergeant major um, through our online uh, education uh, program. And with that, I am now in my transition to retire within the next year. So it's very exciting. I have two sons, they're both grown adults. Uh, so right now, currently it's me and my, my, my sidekick, which is Bella, my boxer pit. 
uh, as we retire, I look forward to, you know, traveling and continuing to educate young minds and shape the future for, for women, for veterans, uh, for anyone who cares to serve in the military. I want to continue to tell the Army story. Thank you, Melissa. Yes, Lori. Hurrah. And Miss Laura. Hurrah. Happy birthday, Marines. Hey, laddie, daddy. I would not be in the Marine Corps if I didn't throw you some cadence. So uh, happy birthday, Marines. My name is Sergeant Major Laura Brown, retired. I retired in 2014, and I'm just so excited to be here with you all today. Thank you all for the invitation. I'm always honored to be around such powerhouses. So thank you for the invitation. Uh, again, I said I retired in 2014. My last billet was the Marine Corps Base Quantico Sergeant Major. I then got retired, retained at year 30 uh, to implement the Lance Corporal Leadership Seminar. So just as the uh, uh, Sergeant Major O'Brien stated from the Army, we're always on y'all's coattails and just so honored that we value education because you'll learn once we retire or if you do four years, education is key and, and it'll, be, it'll be your success when you become a civilian. We all will become civilians one day. So it's an honor to be here with you all. Uh, I retired and of course, service is never done. Uh, I retired and joined some uh, community veteran services. I belong to the Marine Corps League. I'm their treasurer. I also belong to Women Marines Association. I also uh, volunteer as a mentor for uh, communities in schools. Uh, it's my great pleasure and honor to say thank you to the Navy that uh, connected me to my young little sailor who just graduated her recruit training. I really wanted to change her mind and make her be a Marine, but uh, I, I couldn't do it. I, I was honorable and said, okay, young little warrior, you're gonna be a sailor and I'm, I'm proud of you. So uh, I'm excited to be here with you all today. I'm the mother of two grown, wonderful daughters. I have two grandchildren. So that's what I do. I retired back to San Antonio and uh, there was no big Marine Corps ball. There was tiny ones and, and true to Marine Corps form. I have four other E9 Sergeant Major Marine Corps sisters that we're, we belong to a tribe. We call ourselves a tribe. So we got ourselves together and put on this huge Marine Corps ball in San Antonio, but because of COVID, couldn't do it this year. But uh, that's what we do. We provide community service and we're honored uh, to continue to do it and continue to serve. So I thank you for the invitation. Absolutely, Laura. Thank you for that introduction. And we're now, without further ado, we also have Miss Shannon on the line. Hey, everybody. Happy birthday to my Marine Corps brothers and sisters. That's big. I know you, uh, you celebrate it, right? Um, so I am uh, Shannon Gerritsen, uh, Command Master Chief Shannon Gerritsen, U.S. Coast Guard Reserve. Uh, that's why if you, uh, for those who can see me, I'm sitting in a, not wearing a uniform because I serve in the reserve component. Um, my current role is to serve as the U.S. Coast Guard's 13th District Command Master Chief. Uh, that is the entire Pacific Northwest. I'm the reserve uh, senior, res senior enlisted reserve member up in that region uh, advocating for reserve uh, reserve personnel, all enlisted personnel. And um, so I, I just transitioned to that job this past summer. Uh, so it's kind of it's kind of nice to, to have my drill site be in the beautiful Pacific Northwest and it's a beautiful location. Uh, super excited for the, the opportunity I, I have. Um, in my uh, my civilian world, since I wear two hats, I work for the Iowa Army National Guard, so I have a little bit of a both the both the services going on here. And my husband is a Air National Guardsman as well, so we have a lot of uh, military pride in our family and our household. We have uh, two daughters, uh, two uh, teenage daughters. I kids, but you know what? I'll get there. I'm going to enjoy the ride until that point. Um, that's a little bit about me. I'm looking forward to this discussion with everybody. And thank you so much, uh, Enrique and Vince, for having me. Well, thank you, Shannon, for being here. We're excited as well. And we'll round up the last individual, which is Miss April. Please let us know who you are. Introduce yourself. Good afternoon, everybody. And again, happy 
Marine Corps birthday to our Marines in the house. I am April. The Beldo new name added, Lily, retired Fleet Master Chief, U.S. Navy, hoo-yah, go Navy, beat Army. I am so glad to be in the house with all of you all today. Um, I wanted to make it work, and I apologize for any background noise, but um, I am um, currently retired, retired back in um, March of 2017 after my last um, assignment, which was out of um, North, uh, not Norfolk, but um, Alexandria, Virginia, as a manpower personnel training and education fleet master chief up there by DC. Um, had a wonderful 34 years of active duty service, um, but I left on my own terms and that's what it's all about. Um, I'm currently um, living in San Antonio, Texas. Laura Brown, welcome me. Thank you so much. It's beautiful military city, USA. I um, transitioned after one year of doing a NJROTC stint at one of the high schools in Maryland and thought, yes, somebody younger needs to do this than me. <laughs> so I did that for one school year though. And then after that, I was offered a job with Kent Tampa and Kate Incorporated, which is a small business that um, works assisting veterans and employment placement and they compete for um, federal contracts. So I'm their HR director. So I got my computer I got my um, telephone and they let me move to San Antonio and still keep on the payroll. So I've been doing that now for two years and I'm enjoying, enjoy, I'm enjoying learning the uh, industry side of HR, totally different from the military side of HR, but it has been very fun. About 70% of our employees are veterans. Um, I also work with um, another one of my sisters, um, um, Kay Harris, and we work um, with the Veterans Affairs Women um, in the Women's Center for um, Women's Center for Veterans. I'm sorry, Veterans and Women's Center with Veterans Affairs as Secretary, um, assisting him and knowing what's going on with our women veterans. So I'm just learning a lot as I've transitioned. Um, got married a year and a half ago. Learning how to be a wife, also a lot of stuff going on. But definitely um, excited about everything that has um, been afforded to me and everything that I the future going to give me. So thanks again for inviting me to be on this um, particular talk. Yeah, no, I, I tell you that uh, I'm looking at the faces, I'm hearing the background and, and all the experience. Uh, some of you I know outside of this podcast and it, it just uh, warms my heart that this year, you know, this year, as tough as it has been uh, for the world, it has been a stellar year for female leaders uh, all, all across the board, right? We mentioned earlier the selection of Chief Master Sergeant Joanne Bass uh, to see Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, um, you know, and, and before the show was going on, I was, <laughs> you know, kind of chatting with Denise a, a little, you know, just for everybody's knowledge, um, that in itself is just a, a uh, an amazing thing. Uh, but Denise was in a position over a force uh, before. And so uh, thank you, Denise, for leading that way and, and allowing things to, uh, to be highlighted at those levels that women can do. And that's just it, right? So uh, thank it's you. My thank honor. you for thank that. Thank you. Uh, and um, and so we'll, we'll get right into the questions because we've been uh, dying to hear your perspective on, on life, or your perspective uh, on the life of a, a female service member raising up and going up through the ranks and attaining the, uh, the, the positions that you guys have. So I would, uh, I would start with Denise. What sage advice did you get uh, during your career right, that, that led you to the position that you ended up in. Thank you for the question, Enrique. And I have to tell you that, frankly, I grew up in an era where there just was not 
a lot of mentorship. I never had that supervisor, commander, or first sergeant that took me by the stripes and said, Sergeant Jelinski, how this is what you need to do, or you need to think about this or go that direction. I just didn't. And so I, I did a, a lot of watching and learning and reading and listening to leadership CDs back then and tapes, right? And attending every leadership seminar that I possibly could just to learn because there just wasn't a lot of you know, counsel back then with, you know, one-on-one -on -one with junior enlisted and supervisors. But later, much, much later in my career, I had a four-star general say this to me, Chief Kalinske Hall, don't sell yourself short. And it really made me sit back and pause and think about that. And I think I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, but there's a lot of times that women, and I see this more with women than I have with men, that's been my experience, we will disqualify ourselves before we even you know, put in a package or apply for something because we think we have to check every box on that qualification list. So I found that to be some very, very good sage advice and I've carried that with me. So don't ever sell yourself short. You're better than you think you are and you can stretch and grow and you can do things that you can't even imagine that you would be qualified for. Absolutely, and Melissa, uh, how, how, how did that play out for you? Uh, you know, what's, what advice did you get? So Denise really, what she speaks of really resonates for me because for me, this, the same as, as her, um, I didn't come up with a lot of female leaderships. And there are times in my career where I found myself in a, where I was the, the only one or one of two females in, in an all-male organization. Um, and so, you know, as a young, I remember as a young private though, I did have a, uh, a CW3 that, you know, she, I really clung to her because I guess as a young private, it was my first duty station. I saw that motherly role and I worked really hard because I, I wanted that uh, acceptance. I wanted that approval. Uh, and, and she really, I, I was gonna get out. I went home on mentor leave. I, I was in Korea. I was so homesick. I wasn't going to go back. Uh, but, you know, my dad put me on a plane, said, you signed up. You didn't ask us about this. My dad is a veteran or he, he's, he's passed away, unfortunately. But he's like, you didn't talk to any of us about this. So you're going to serve out your time honorably. And I went back and she, she took me under her wing. But it wasn't until later on uh, in my service that, you know, much like Denise, I had I had a mentor who came to me and said, you know, you've got to upgrade your, your self-talk, turn off your inner critic and turn on your inner coach. Because, you know, I've been fortunate to, to, to be coached by many. Um, some are women um, and men, but it was, you know, just like Denise said, we will discount ourselves uh, before we go for that that position or that assignment or, you know, or that board or whatever it is. And so that's what I learned. I had to work on my inner, my inner self-talk because a lot of times we'll talk ourselves out of stuff. Um, and so for me, it became a matter throughout the rest of my career. I wanted to search out women. Uh, I wanted to find advocates and who are our allies. And I needed that both from, from women as well as my male counterparts, so. And Laura, how about you? So I will caveat to what both Denise and Melissa have stated. Um, we come into the military and I came in the Marine Corps in 1984. So I know that the ladies that are on this panel understand the mindset in 1980s, way different than what it is today. But that didn't mean that leadership was absent. That meant you just found uh, that male that guided you because, you know, men have mothers and daughters. So not all of them, uh, they, some of them do see value in your leadership and your worth. So you as a young Marine had to go figure out what it is that you wanna be. So when I joined the Marine Corps, uh, I remember looking at a magazine and there was this big powerful man sitting behind this desk and he was a Sergeant Major. I didn't know what that meant 
but it never dawned on me that I couldn't be one. I said, oh yeah, that's who I'm gonna be. I just liked the authority he exuded sitting at that desk. It didn't even dawn on me that I was gonna have to leave my MOS, which at the time was finance. So no one tells you those things. But I remember um, being at Cherry Point, it was my first duty station and, and it's always women. Uh, one female sergeant, she just took me under her wing and a sergeant, you've been in the Marine Corps. Back then, uh, you'd been in the Marine Corps by eight years and there I was. And I hated speaking to her because it was always, she was wearing me out all the time about, I never did anything right. But really that was the leadership. Um, but she had just come off the drill field. So we all know who our drill sergeants are. We all emulate them because back then that's the only thing women were allowed to do that was outside of your MOS. You couldn't get on ships when you were a young female Marine. You couldn't go to MSG. So the only B billet available to you was to be a drill instructor. So that was my path towards success. I knew it uh, and also fitness. But I'm not really certain why my intelligence is not more important than my physical fitness, mm -hmm. but because I've always been a runner, uh, I knew those two things would carry me far. So that's what I became, a drill instructor. And then you, you have this epiphany, you learn that when you leave outside of your MOS, you then meet other individuals who mentor you along the way. So certainly I will say to you that probably the first 10 years of my life, it was males that mentored me uh, and guided me. And then certainly most women that had already gone before me to do those B billets, those extra duties are the ones that I wanted to follow. And April later in her podcast mentioned uh, the Campo Kent organization that she belongs to. That Kent is Sergeant Major Kent. He was one of the Sergeant Majors of the Marine Corps. So I'll tell you, when I was a young whippersnapper first sergeant about to deploy into combat, uh, I remember looking him at his eye. I know he probably thinks I'm a whack job, but I looked in his eye and I said, you just wait, Sergeant Major. There are gonna be women Sergeants Major that are coming behind you. This uh, 2003 uh, deployment, uh, a war into Iraq, uh, it's, gonna set us. it's gonna be the equality that women required. So that way we can be on the same footing as you males. So that's why there are more women Sergeants Major that were allowed to exceed and excel because on the promotion boards, because quite frankly, if men don't hear that you deployed into combat, there will always be something that you don't, equality for them is not there. So it does me wonders to see where we've all come as women today, had it not been for the leadership of those who allowed us to move forward. Thank you, and how about you, Shannon? <laughs> Yes. So, I mean, there's a, a common theme here on, um, you know, the early career, the mentorship that we've all had was uh, not very strong. And so um, for me, and, and I also love the theme of taking the taking that that challenge, you know, challenging yourself to, to, to do something. And, and so that's really what I did. One of the things that that we all know now um, is that we're all temporary in our jobs and there's somebody who's got to come up behind us and they have to be, they're going to follow our, our leadership and what we've done. So we, we need to keep in mind that we're grooming our replacements, no matter, you know, I mentioned, I just took a job. Well, I, I need to keep, you know, somebody else is going to take my job. And so given everything that I've learned and how I've gotten to this point, I'm building and it's all just a building block to the point where I say, you doesn't matter, you know, woman or man, you are a great leader. You need to be considering this job. Here's what you need to know to do something in this path. So I think that the best advice that I, I would have is that, you know, we need to lead in a way that we want others to follow and that we envision that our future of our services to be led. So um, I definitely appreciate the story, though, from, you know, how things have changed from the 80s to to now, you know, currently serving now as a senior enlisted female. And um, I've seen some changes, too, just.
that's what I would say for um, that I've learned over my time. All right, thank you, Shannon. How about you, April? Thanks a lot, everybody. And again, I am not going to um, restate what everybody has so elegantly said, but um, what I did want to share with one of my experiences I have, did have, and that was first coming in, I did come from a, um, a military background. So when I joined, my dad um, had just retired out of after 22 years. So I believe that he sort of instilled in me and set some expectations for when I did go to boot camp in um, 1983. And one of the things was, this was my choice and you will not quit. And I just say that to say there were some stumbling blocks and there were some, um, some individuals in the, um, in the ranks and, and that I crossed paths with that told me along the way that I couldn't do things that I wanted to do, but I did not allow that to deter me again, because I believe of my upbringing. Um, and also, you know, the faith base that I grew up with. Um, it's not about them. It's about the person in the mirror and what do you want to do? And unless you stop yourself, you can't be stopped. So those were two strong, um, um, I would say, foundations that I had going in. And they carried me all throughout my 30 plus years. I always remembered that. I always remembered that. And as we talk about we became more senior and because nobody looked like us in the room and sometimes we, because we were the only one in the room that looked like we did, we might have um, um, tried to or felt uncomfortable, felt uncomfortable speaking up or speaking out or, or giving our opinion. But again, it did matter. And, and as um, I think what Shannon just said, you know, somebody was looking at us. We were somebody's example. So we could not take a back seat, especially in those positions of leadership as we got more senior. We were put there because I believe we did show that we could do the job. It didn't matter what we looked like. It was because of our experience, because we had proven ourselves and because leadership had no other choice because they would have no excuse of why not putting us in those positions. So once we got in those positions, we needed to make sure that we were leading by example. And I always told everybody that came behind me, what does the book say? We're not gonna willy nilly this. What does the book say? What does the organization say about it? How does that affect our service members? And then we made those decisions so we would be able to sleep good at night. Well, th thank you everyone. Again, for those joining us, we are on the virtual platform enjoying Veterans Day with these dynamic leaders. And they have just shared with us their sage advice. So the question to each and every one of you is, um, to change a culture in itself, what key leadership styles do you use to influence and empower others and or teams? Denise? Okay, so I wanna to talk to you just briefly about a couple of organizations that I served in. I was a senior master sergeant at E8 in an air traffic control unit. And then I went into a combat communications group headquarters. And both of those two organizations, the, the commanders, just did not communicate. I can remember being very frustrated by you know, sending an email, making phone calls, and just not getting answers and responses to important questions. And so uh, I, I decided that uh, the wing that supported us, we were a parallel organization to the wing, but did not fall under their chain of command. There was a brand new wing commander, and he put out uh, the announcement for a wing command chief. I was a senior master sergeant. Well, there was a little provision in that, you know, announcement that said qualified, eligible senior master sergeants could apply. Well, fortunately, at that point, you know, I had learned enough where I said, I'm not disqualifying myself. I looked at that and I said, I can do this job. And so my current commander said I couldn't do it and that I couldn't be a command chief. And I thought, hmm, there's a waiver. There is a waiver. You can do this. Okay. You just have to keep asking the right questions. And so I did. And I went to the interview. And the wing commander was a breath of fresh air and he was looking for something different. He was not, he wanted to break that stereotypical leadership mold that had been year after year after year after year within the wing. And so, you know, I did my interview and I uh, had some good words with him before I walked out the door and lo and behold that night he called me and he said that he selected me. And what I loved the most about this wing commander was that he was transparent and he communicated 
and he collaborated. He took his key senior enlisted uh, leaders and the first sergeants. He took his group commanders, the squadron commanders. He met with them on a regular basis. Transparency was really key. Um, as a team, the wing commander, the group commanders, and then myself as a wing command chief, during a drill weekend, we would go to different units and, and we would just take questions and the, and the wing commander would answer questions from the most you know, uh, junior airmen all the way up to you know, the senior leaders in that organization. And what was really key was his collaboration. Whenever there was big decisions to be made, of course, he's a commander, he's gonna have the final authority, but he would get together with the group commanders, his wing command chief and himself, and we would sit and we would talk about some of these very important decisions in the direction of the wing, the commander's intent, et cetera. The thing that really, I think, changed that wing dynamic was the trust that he instilled in people. He trusted the leaders to do their jobs, to carry out their duties and their responsibilities. I had oversight of the, and the managed the first sergeants in the first sergeant program. I'd never been a first sergeant, but he trusted me to work within my Air Force instruction and to lead and manage that team as I believed and saw fit. And he trusted me to do that. Now, were there challenges and bumps along the way? Of course there was. But the other important piece was he held people accountable for their actions. So that was very important. So I would say that um, the collaboration, the communication, the transparency, and the trust were key in changing the dynamics of that wing, and we did. It was an amazing organization, and I was so grateful to serve under his leadership. Thank you for that. How about you, Melissa? What, what do you have there? So, so again, I, I feel like I shadowed Denise, you know, <laughs> through 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 my career because. You know, I, I have served in, unfortunately, that organization where, you know, the culture, it, it, it wasn't there. We, we used the term transparency, but we really weren't transparent. Um, or, you know, I like to say um, the audio didn't match the video. We say one thing, but what is done is something different. And, you know, that, that will send waves um, through an organization. And so um, I found that it, it took the change in leadership uh, to bring about a change in the culture. I mean, you can, I, I think that change in culture can be uh, very hard um, for a leader when that climate survey comes back and says, this is, this is really what's going on within your organization. Um, but when the leadership changes out, it, it brought it brought in a new set of uh, eyes, a different perspective, different leadership philosophy, um, and it really does. It comes down to you know how do you develop shared um, you know that shared vision. It's about mutual trust. Um, it's empowering uh, people around you, and when you empower people, you allow them you know you allow them room for growth. Uh, it, because it, it's just like I think April said, you know, we've got to prepare people to take our place. We all have a shelf life. Um, and so when you empower them and you give them that initiative, um, you know, he always, he, he also allowed, you know, opportunities for, for, for um, failure because growth comes from that, um, depending on how it's delivered, you know. Uh, decentralized, you know, leadership. He let leaders lead at the levels that they were responsible for, you know. Um, and so, and he allowed leaders, he allowed me, you know, to take calculated risk, you know. And again, it, it's, it, it doesn't come without its own challenges. Um, and, you know, very young. Uh, and I think it's because of how, you know, when, you, when I first came in the army, you know, uh, it was the way that the culture was then, you know, you're a soldier 24 seven, um, that's all you do. Um, and so I, I learned that, you know, follow orders, but then given the opportunity to take those calculator risks, it, it, it allowed me to grow professionally to get to where I'm at. Uh, and those challenges became opportunities rather than, you know, something that I, I, I feared. So, I really appreciated that. And it, I think it, it helped me in a lot of ways, especially when I talk about, you know, being 
you know, one or two females within within an organization. I appreciated the 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 faith and the trust and the empowerment that was given to me, and and I think it served me well. And and uh, I I hope I know that I have tried to pass that on to those who come up behind me. Absolutely, uh, Melissa. I love the quote. You know, the audio doesn't meet the video, so that's that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, uh, yes. Miss Laura. What, what are your thoughts? I think it really is about um, culture change. You know, you all have all hit it on the head. Communication. Um, as we move forward, and several of us have mentioned that um, we're only here for a short time, and and the individuals that we leave uh, in our place we're gonna look back at them and say, did I do right by them? So I really think communication is key. I think that the military does a really great job of, uh, we have books and volumes of organizations and regulations and orders. And we even have smart people that we send to school uh, to be the EEO, the Equal Opportunity Advisor. We have individuals for affirmative action. Uh, we just have to listen to those individuals. What I, what I saw, you know, when you become part of a command team, you, you learn that an, uh, a commander is really only in command for two years. It is you, that senior enlisted advisor, that should know those rules and regulations and gets afforded the opportunity to sit next to the individual who's in command, and it's for you to advise them. I, you know, I don't remember which one of you said, I think April said it, that oftentimes you're gonna be the lone man in the room that's gonna have to say, you know, that's not right. And many times that's really what your billet is about. It's not about you, the powerhouse. It's not about the rank that is on your shoulders. It's the guidance that you were set there and given and given afforded the opportunity to help lead that organization. Whenever you see things that are happening, that are happening at Fort Hood, you have to ask yourself, really? For me, as a, as a senior enlisted, I always say, who is that Sergeant Major? Because the reality is that senior enlisted person should be thumping some heads. I'm talking about, uh, not physically, uh, yeah. um, but you should be asking those hard questions. Uh, you should always be walking the grounds to go ask. I, you know, you always hear the adage, if you want to know something, go ask the Lance Corporal, you know, the E3, that individual knows all the beeswax. But if you're sitting in your office and you're, and you're not really aware of what's going on around you, uh, that's really what changes culture. That's really what changes culture. So uh, I, I think that's what it is for me. Culture is not going to change if the leadership that we put in place doesn't do their part. Thank you, Laura, for those comments. And of course, communication is a definitely a streamlined through everybody's uh, um, response. Ms. Shannon, what do you have to say, ma'am? So I'm going to just take this a slightly different path here. We've talked about communication and culture. But the one thing that really could change the culture is to break the myth of this is how we've always done it. We all know that those are five very dangerous words in an organization. And so once you start to say, and, and, and that's, it's no longer in your language and you're no longer training to that as you're, as you're coming up in the ranks and you don't mention it to your junior folks and you get to a position where you don't accept your senior folks to tell you that, excuse me. Um, I think once we break that norm, we'll start to see the empowerment that our, these ladies have talked about. We'll start to see how um, ideas and innovation can actually flow to accomplish the mission at hand. So um, the biggest thing that we could do is to just make sure that those words are not in our language when it comes to mentoring and training our, our junior folks. Um, you're, you're outside the box thinking. Um, for, for those of us who are still serving, I'm sure that the whole COVID-19 has given us unprecedented challenges as to how to continue serving with the guidances that are given and, and maintain everything that we need to maintain being ready uh, military branches. Being different things, understand how uh, how to how to drill, how to function as a military branch in these time periods. So I think um, 
you know, as we talk about communication and we talk about the, you know, that, that culture change right there is the number one thing that I would say would change it. Thank you, Shannon. Very inspiring and true words. Like remember here, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Similar things, right? And all throughout the panel, you see us nodding. So okay. affirmation, affirmation. Miss April, your thoughts? This is going to be the easiest interview I have ever done because everybody has already said what needs to be said. And of course, that's why we're, we, um, are in, we're in the positions that we're in or are still in the positions that we're in is because we have this thought process that, like you said, um, Enrique is spot on. Um, but one thing I am going to just throw out there also is when you talk about culture change and, um, we're going through a culture change now in our services. And I know some of us are retired, but I'm just gonna put it out there. And it's about passion also. When you, to change a culture, to change a culture, I believe the leadership has to be passionate about the change that we're trying to make. And our junior personnel, our peers, and even our senior personnel, they see when leadership is not passionate about a change. And if leadership is not showing that passion, the change is never gonna come. Because as, like you said, somebody said, we're walking the walk and not talking the talk. So that's what I just like to add to everybody's comments is you have to be passionate about the change. Be honest in the fact that, yes, this is something that we as leadership want to do based on leaders that have said we're gonna do this change, whether that was women in the Navy, whether that was the LGBT, whatever it was in our organization, leaders have to have some meat in it also. They have to wanna do it. And our sailors, our Marines, airmen, Coast Guardsmen, I'm gonna miss somebody, soldiers, troops, they see when leadership does not believe in the change. And, um, you know, I've gone through that. You know, we said we we're gonna put women on the ship, combatant ship or in combatant um, assignments. And there were still naysayers out there. And, it, and our, 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 our junior personnel, they see that. So that's all that I would add to it is we have to, as leaders, we have to be passionate about it and believe in the change that we have. Whether, you know, whether we want to or not. And if we don't wanna do it, they will see it. And that will be a um, barrier in, in making that culture change. Thank and you. That's, yeah, that's such a good point because there really is a difference between uh, we have to or we want to, right? And, and, uh, and it boils down to leadership uh, really uh, not only uh, stating the things that are going to change, but actually being that change from them down. So a great point. Now, uh, you know, I know that there's a lot of advice, a lot <laughs> that we can give to, uh, you know, junior sailors, Marines, soldiers, Coast Guard men, airmen. We, we uh, you know, all service members today can get a download like no other <laughs> of advice from the group that we have today. But uh, let's try to focus on a couple of items. So what advice would you share with the current uh, generation of men and women in the military? And we'll start with uh, Denise. Okay, I have lots of things to share. Uh, in my book, I did, uh, from, from the Prairie to the Pentagon, I did write about 10 leadership points. And I'll just summarize these very, very quickly. So have a strong work ethic. We all know that we are gonna have to work hard and there is not a lady on this panel to include now Enrique and Vince where you did not have to work hard throughout your career. You're gonna have to study and stretch and grow and do things that you maybe don't wanna do but you have to have a strong work ethic. Anything worth having is worth working for. Maintain that great attitude. You've seen it time and time again, all things being equal, the one with the great attitude gets the tipping point and wins. Attitude matters in all things. 
be engaged with continual growth and self-development. It sounds like all of us ladies grew up in an era where there wasn't a lot of mentorship. Okay, so what do you do? You know what? I watched senior leaders. I listened to the words that they said. I practiced in front of the mirrors. You know, I took, you know, the speech classes and I, you know, got up and did briefings when I didn't want to because I was afraid of public speaking and things like that. You have to continue to grow and develop yourself on all levels. Be ready. Opportunities come and go, and sometimes they're fleeting. You have to be ready for that next opportunity. Uh, Winston Churchill, he has the quote out there where he talks about, be ready for when that moment that leadership taps you on the shoulder, be ready. So whatever that means to you. And that's all aspects, being ready at home, whether you know it's a marital relationship, the readiness of your organization, being physically fit, mentally prepared, being ready in all aspects take strategic risks. Sometimes you have to take a step back in order to go forward. Now, very strategically, I would say talk with supervisors, talk with senior leaders, make sure that you're making a very well thought out strategic risk. I took a couple of these. Fortunately for me, it paid off, but uh, strategic risks are very important and don't be afraid of those. Maintain your professional professionalism in all matters. Really, that's enough said right there always be professional. And I would say, you know, is it different for women and men? It shouldn't be, but it is. Okay. My experience has been, it is. Ladies, we have to be professional in all things because you're being watched. I think a little bit more than, than the male counterparts. Respectfully, don't take no for an answer. Man, I'll tell you what, I was a senior NCO before I really, that was really ingrained in me is to not take no for an answer. Figure it out. There's a way. Nine times out of 10, there's a way around it, through it, over it, under it, all within regulations, of course, but don't take no for an answer. Serve pure of heart. What do I mean by that? It sounds kind of fluffy, right? Serve pure of heart. If you are doing what's right for our country, what is best for the organization in which you're serving in and for the people that you lead, you will have a successful career. Serve pure of heart. You do what's the do what's best. And April said it. You know, she said enthusiasm, and I had have passion. Love what you do. You walk into a room and then you're just doom and gloom and grumpy. Oh no, you can't do that. You have to have passion and love what you do. And I would say to all men and women out there across the armed forces, if you don't love what you do, cross train. Find something that you love and then you just give it all that you have. And, and the 10th one was to have faith. I believe it is because of my belief in God that, it, that he allowed me to do the things that I was able to do as a woman serving in very male dominant career fields, being the only woman, as you know, many have already said, particularly Melissa, um, you're the lone ranger in that room. I, it is my belief and my faith in the Lord that he gave me strength and courage to do the things that I was required to do and needed to do. Also, that faith kept our family strong through, you know, 28, almost 29 years of military service. And whether your faith is, is different, whatever your higher power is, whatever that is, tap into that strength, ask for help, lean on that because it matters. So really, to summarize all that, a career goes by in a blink of an eye. I mean, boom, it's gone. I can't believe where I nearly three decades of my life went. I enjoyed it but I never really took that time to sit back and really reflect on all the experiences until, you know, well after retirement, enjoy the ride. It goes by so fast. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Enjoy the ride. Everyone out there and understand that. Melissa, what do you have to say about advice to give the future? Well, first, I want to say that Denise is so right. As I come to the end of my career, and it'll be almost 32 years, uh, I, I can vividly remember like yesterday when I first got on that plane to fly off to basic training. And, and it just all of a sudden, you know, some days, you know, in those challenging times, it seemed like the end was never going to get there. And now I can't believe how quickly it's gone. So what I say, the advice that I have is serve first and lead second. So when I say that, what I mean is that 
if you are demonstrating service to those that you you are responsible for, those that are your peers and your subordinates, service is leadership in action. And when you demonstrate service, people are going to follow. They're going to grow from that. Um, so that's my first piece of advice. The other thing I would say is that if you're given a seat at the table, take it. Um, you have a voice. You don't have to be the loudest one in the, in the room, but make sure that you are heard. Uh, we all got to where we're at through purposeful and thoughtful leadership. Um, and so when that seat is offered at the table, take it. Um, I believe, again, we talk about passion. Find your passion and always stay curious. Curiosity is knowledge. Knowledge is power. But in that, you have to share that knowledge because that goes back to that, that change in the culture and and knowledge empowers others and it prepares them to take on those higher responsibilities and replace us all as, as we step out of uniform. Um, know yourself from the lens of others. You need to know where you stand in the eyes of others. Uh, and I tell you, even for me, um, that sometimes that is a hard pill to swallow when, when you know, and, and um, I've asked, you know, subordinates, I've asked peers, I've asked leaders, because I, I wanted that feedback. I welcomed it, but sometimes it was, it was not crushing, but, you know, I had to, I had to re-examine self and I had to figure out how do I self-correct? And that's the one thing is people, we all need to know our position, uh, where we stand in the eyes of others. Uh, and then I say to the to the women out there, because yes, being a um, being a woman uh, serving our country, um, it it has had its its ups and downs. Um, and so I, I would tell women in the military, you know, realize that in your service you can keep your feminine leadership qualities and be strong, decisive, and assured, and you will be respected for that. Um, so I'm very uh, humbled and honored, and I, I thank you all for being able to share that. Uh, it is not lost upon me uh, what this means, uh, being here with all of you, and what Veterans Day means to our country and all of our branches of service. So thank you. Well said, Melissa. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Ms. Laura, your thoughts? So I would say, uh, as I transitioned, I would say networking is key. Networking, education, fitness, have your resume. Uh, it doesn't matter if you don't have a four-year degree, if you want to have a trade, but be ready because all of us are going to go back into the civilian sector. And these things I know to be true. Uh, they're out there waiting on you. But you just have to be, you know, as, as military people, we're hard. You know, before this podcast started, uh, Enrique and Vince said, smile, all of us. And we're like, okay. Um, <laughs> so it's the truth. Civilians are very capable individuals, but you do have to transition and you do have to learn lingo. I retired and I went to school. So that was very humbling. The Blackberry went away. There was no longer a parking spot. I was now a freshman in college. I did that on purpose. So that way I could uh, decompress myself and the tribe that you formed in the military. It's true. Those are going to be your friends. So if you, uh, I call them Eeyores. If you're one of those Eeyore types, oh man, nothing else is out there for me. Guess what's gonna be out there in civilian world? So nobody wants to be around that. I really suggest you find who your tribe is, learn what your skill is, and then translate that into the civilian sector. Civilian sector could be scary, but it's really fun. And while you're figuring it out, go join an, a military organization like the Marine Corps League or whatever your veteran organization is and start serving your community because that's really what it's about. It's serving your community. You're not done. Hoorah, Semper Fi. <laughs> well, thank you. You shared about giving yourself purpose again, which we definitely have in the military and, and being humble. So thank you for those words, Laura. 
Uh, love to hear from you, Shannon. It's a kind of the same theme. Um, I'm a fan of why. I'm a fan of understanding, understanding why I serve, why uh, not only myself, but I think everybody who has served, who has enlisted officer corps, we all are driven for something deeper, deeper within us to, to provide back to something greater to us. So, so always remembering that core reason why we serve um, is, is going to just always keep us grounded. Um, I, I heard passion and purpose in, in, these, in these dialogues here. And that just kind of encompasses everything. So really knowing our purpose in the, in the military as well as, as the military's mission, understanding the why behind the military, you know, what is the mission? What is it that we're doing? And once you find that passion uh, about the mission, as well as your, your draw to service, you will, you, you will stay grounded with your, your purpose in the service. Um, there are going to be very challenging times. You will definitely understanding the challenges, right? We have to do, but yeah. So the fact of the matter, what you mentioned is know your purpose, know your why, but also the value of what you all stated at the very beginning of mentorship and giving back to those who are following the, your footsteps. So great advice there, Ms. Shannon. And Ms. April, let's round it off with you. Okay, thank you. Um, again, I, I just want to reiterate what everybody else has said, but what I'll also add is, um, and it has to do a little bit with passion, is really, really, really taking care of yourself. You know, making sure that you're okay with you, making sure that you're physically, mentally, spiritually, you know, okay and, and in tune with yourself. Because as I can't remember who it was mentioned, when you come out, and you get out of the military and you come into the civilian industry, you know, all those titles and all those accomplishments, they might acknowledge them, but they're not part of the veteran family, if I can say that. And it's just different. It's just different out here. So um, get your mind ready. That's why I say that. Get your mind ready and take care of you and know that, you know, you're okay with you because sometimes it's going to take longer to find your purpose to figure out what you really want to do after the military, if you're still in the military, to figure out what you want to do next, duty station. But you have to be okay with yourself and know that, um, that whatever comes out of the situation, you're still okay. So that's what I'll add to everybody's comments. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for that. And I tell you that uh, just listing all the advice uh, will fill a book uh, and you should be able to be good from then on out. Uh, you know, I, I want to take this uh, time again uh, to thank you. Thank you, uh, Denise. Thank you, Melissa, Laura, Shannon, and April uh, for sharing this platform with us today, for highlighting with us uh, a Veterans Day uh, to remember. This, this year has been <laughs> a year to remember. Uh, but uh, for sharing uh, your thoughts, your career, your insights, and your advice uh, with all those that will be listening from now, you know, from here on out, uh, Lord knows how long this recording will stand, uh, but they'll be always able to hear you and be able to implement those things that you gave them. So thank you so much for being with us. Uh, folks that are listening, we'll be sure to uh, include a way for you to reach out to these great professionals, these great individuals uh, that comprise our armed forces, representatives of their own force, uh, and, uh, and, and we'll make sure to allow you to be able to, to do that uh, through the means that they uh, authorize. So we'll, we'll be, be sure to put that out there. Uh, for those uh, that want to reach us at the Leadership Void podcast, uh, the leadership void at gmail.com is our address. If you have leadership uh, centered communication that you want to share with us, you want us to highlight a particular leadership uh, topic, or you want us to cover something in regards to leadership, please email us at that email address. Uh, and, and Vince, uh, I am just uh, overjoyed uh, to have been on this uh, platform with this panel 
um, uh, you know, sisters in arms and th that, uh, that from now on, hey, we're connected, right? So uh, <laughs> I am just so fortunate and blessed uh, to have this opportunity. Absolutely. You know, to everybody out there, happy Veterans Day. As of yesterday, also happy uh, birthday, Marine. So we're just honored to have the representation of some great leaders and, and leaders, not just in the past, but here in the present and for the future. I know you all going to do some great things. Ten years from now, we should have a reunion because I know what you have to bring is going to be another dynamic episode. But for today, we want to thank you so much for your time. We're honored and humbled and blessed to be here with you all. Happy Veterans Day to each and every one of you for all the sacrifices. And for those that are gonna tune in for next week, we're back on the road on our nationwide tour, going to Maryland, Annapolis. We're gonna speak with Mark Maley, who is the founder and CEO of Reformed. So stay tuned for next week. We are, we're gonna speak with him. But for today, happy Veterans Day. I will salute each and every one of you and have a great afternoon. Wow. Happy Veterans Day, thank you. Happy Veterans Day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Void Podcast. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you are dealing with leadership issues, be sure to write us at theleadershipvoid at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.